0: Hey, what's up, Passage family? Welcome back to another episode of the P3D Podcast. I'm your host Clayton Welch, and with me, as always, is Michael Lawing. What's up, dude?
1: Hey, hey, hey! Here we are, back at it. Here we are, back at it. We had a little hiatus. We did. We yeah. We accidentally
0: accidentally we got i mean we've had a couple busy months here at the church i mean we're we say that as we're going into easter so that's even more busy there's
1: like that one it's like a kind of a one-off busy we just it was like we had a lot of cool stuff good things happening at the beginning of the year so we were you know podcast is not a primary ministry but it's one that we do enjoy yeah, it's we'd a, love for a it to grow. Ministry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we just do it when we have some time. As is that we, a plug but
0: we, to say, hey, if you like this podcast, share it with your friends or subscribe or yeah, something?
1: That was my non intrusive way of saying.
0: Ooh, and then I just
1: intruded. That's fine. I think it's good. It's good. We need more more people to share. I mean, the way we think about the podcast is we want to talk about things that are important to us and uh, be, it, be a repository of things that we've discussed from the perspective of. Uh, this is how the passage church does and does it and thinks about it so yeah exactly yeah, that's it so
0: so the p3d for people who don't uh haven't heard other episodes or aren't really familiar with the p3d why we call it 3d what are the three d's
1: uh it is d- discover yep develop yep and
0: deploy and deploy yep now we've altered those a little bit but those are what we have finally come up we have to tweak yep. things what was
1: the deploy used to be something else
0: uh develop
1: no no,
0: that, no, yeah, that's still.
1: It was demonstrate. It used to be yeah, demonstrate. demonstrate. That's what it was. And then me and Matt, like, had the same idea the same day. And he walked in as, like, I was writing it on the board. And he was like, I was thinking about changing the third D. I was like, to what? Yeah. And he was like, deploy. I was like, bro, same. I know. And you
0: guys had that, the meme where the electricity is going between your yes. brains. That was, it, that was it, man. That
1: was it. And I had been here for, like, three months. So it felt like, it felt like, yeah, we're cool. Yeah, we're and that's when we
0: knew that you were a keeper.
1: Yeah, until I thought it then, was, it was like I thought it was when I showed up to that cookout wearing the American flag uh, oh tank gosh. top and a cowboy hat.
0: I had pulled Matt aside and I was like, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> that's valid. Though. I mean, I feel like you should be skeptical of people. I'm skeptical of people. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, I'm not skeptical of this podcast or this topic that we're talking about that's today. Right. What are we going to talk about today?
1: Well, uh, the, the inspiration is twofold. So, a little plug here: we do a thing called Equip. Uh, so, it's like classes that we run throughout the year. We usually try and do three or four. Yep. Um, and we are—I'm doing one right now on Apologetics, uh, which we call defending your faith, which is not a unique title, I think. R.C. Sproul has a book titled by that. Pretty much everybody else yeah, does. Yeah, I was going to
0: say this. There's, there's a lot out of it. <laughs>
1: Um, But we've been doing apologetics. And then as we were, we just talked about the resurrection uh, this past week. And I thought it would be cool to tie in on the podcast. Just kind of go over some of that stuff because we have Easter coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, I think the resurrection, like, so first of all, like, again, in line with the what we think about the podcast, we want to talk about important things um, that we, that are important to us. Uh, and that we want to have just out there that we can share with people, um, in a relatable fashion. Um, so yeah, so we, yeah, I just, I just thought it'd be cool to, to go through it and just kind of put it out there. And then also just to plug these equipped classes. Like I teach some, uh, pastor Kirk has taught some in the past. Matt teaches them. Uh, I'm going to have someone, uh, like co-teach with me this next semester coming up. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's a great way to get plugged in. You get to meet people. We get to be in like an engaging environment. It's not like, it's not monologuing you know it's not like
0: right you're not just coming to listen it's more of like a like a open forum classroom type yeah well, not open forum but
1: i mean it really is i mean that's the way i like to run it is like yeah you can raise your hand at any point i mean i'm like yeah hey, you can even interrupt me you know like it's not it's not uh it's not a formal setting you at mean all by interrupt? like that what do you mean just, just what do you yeah, mean? yeah yeah i'm talking you're like hey, well, hang I'm on a minute, a
0: minute. To wait to a second exactly
1: so but yeah
0: so um so the resurrection yeah, yeah. it's pretty big deal in the christian faith i mean it is the deal yeah
1: and, and it's it's a big deal for a couple of reasons right i think it's a big deal because it's one of those markers like the something that christianity lost uh well a little bit we've lost i mean we didn't have to but as it has transferred from culture to culture to culture it takes on um you know different uh like cultural um meaning and, like, the holidays that it picks up and the, the way it's celebrated, right? So, when when Christianity um, came out of Judaism, like, the first and second and third century Jews, they kept celebrating a lot of, like, the Old Testament holidays and feasts and things like that. But as it's made its way over here to America, like, we don't, like, it's with such a melting pot over here, like, we don't really have a lot of, like... You know, like a feast or a holiday. You know, like Chinese New Year. How do you, you feel know. about that? I mean, I I think it's a loss. Like, yeah. I do. I think I think that's one of the reasons that um, like other cultures do really well is like rites of passage. And we've talked about this like yep. as dads a lot that like there's an important part of like having a little bit of pageantry to uh, the rites of passage that that young men and young women go through, um, and to make much of those things. But when you don't really have a a culture to cling on to, specifically like I mean I mean, I hope this comes across the way the right way, but like just kind of vanilla like like white bread, just regular old American people, you know. Yep, cheese like, pizza. That's you know, that's what nothing. we got. We don't have anything. Um so I think it's a loss. I think it's a loss that we don't have those feasts and markers. But well it's th- kind of
0: like I mean, our culture is very much uh check the box and get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, we're like, all right, we got Easter coming up. All right, what do we got to do? Well, we got the egg hunt, and then we get the egg hunt. Then, all right, egg hunt done. Check. Going yeah. to church. Check. Yep. Going out to eat. Check. All Moving right, Easter done. Prick. Those like three things are kind of the common with every family, right? Yep. We're going to go to an egg hunt if you have kids. Yep. we're going to go to church, then we're going to go out to eat. We better get reservations now because it's super busy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. So Easter and Christmas, those are the big ones, right? And then we have to anything else. Like we kind of develop in. Like there will be there will be other traditions, but it'll mostly be like at this point it, it's kind of secular and it's usually regional, right? You know, like oh this you know like this like Lexington has the barbecue festival or whatever you know or like right. they they have a competition a couple times a year yes or like um you know Louisiana has Mardi Gras you know like that's a part of the culture there uh you know so things like that like those are yes, regional. It is right as
0: a Louisiana native,
1: I can say yes. That's to true. This. So I more confirmed. This <laughs> confirmed. So
0: I I didn't actually uh, realize all this stuff about the traditions and all that stuff until we went to an Andrew Peterson concert around Easter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was actually after Easter, or after the day of the, the resurrection, right? That you right. celebrate. Uh-huh. It was a like a couple weeks after, and I just remember him like being up there, and he was like, "Hey guys, uh, it's Easter." We're yeah. still celebrating Easter. And I was like, what? Still? Easter was like last week or we something. We did this. Like, it's we done. already did this. you know? And then I was like, Oh, wait, it's a whole like time of you to just yeah. focus on that. And I thought it was super cool. That's kind of the first time that I can think of yeah. that I was conscious of uh there being traditions and stuff that go along with Easter. Yeah.
1: I love traditions. I think my childhood and so we'll we'll bring it back here to the resurrection in a second. Like my childhood was it was a little bit chaotic because of Just like, you know, like broken family, like divorce, things like that. Like I was different places, all different, all different times of the year, staying with different family. And so like we didn't have a lot of the same thing happening the same way. And so as I got out on my own, like doing the same things at the same time, like having a tradition is just super special to me. And I like to, And I think we've tried to incorporate in the same thing for my wife. And we're trying to bring that into our family. Um, but I think that's one. like Easter is one of those things because we have so few markers in the Western American church that where we can like, where culturally we kind of think about things the same way. Easter is really important for that. And that's like the, that's like a really small reason, but it is, it is a, an important reason.
0: Do you think it's like a, like a Baptist thing? Do you think, uh, I mean, or the the type of denominations celebrate things differently? Like,
1: no, I mean like the Catholic church does a way better job celebrating different holidays throughout the year. Um I'm well, that's not, what I am saying like to yeah. I mean but it, like the so like the the church that I kind of had experience with growing up was a Lutheran church. They do they do like holidays and traditions and like all, you know different celebrations and festivals. Like they like the liturgical churches do a really good job of yes, that. Yes,
0: so, liturgy and stuff like so that. So
1: the Baptist actually we actually do the worst job of it because we're just out here kind of like not doing any of it so yeah,
0: i feel like we could go on let's well, let's bring it back we can go down to. a long rabbit yeah. hole with that
1: so 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 easter is important but but that means the resurrection is important because it's it's attached to like easter like this this right. holiday. so we mark it we mark it in, in the on the calendar yes but why do we mark it um on the calendar is because we have this really important um it, it's not just like a theological truth but it's a theological truth that's linked to an event, right? So Christmas is the incarnation, right? So like God becomes a man, and the resurrection is Jesus proves that he's God. And so like those are the, the two big ones that we that we do. In First Corinthians 15, um, if you if you read through the whole chapter, it's it's Paul going through the uh like the theological significance, um, the spiritual significance of the resurrection. Um, and, and basically the, the kind of the catch, the, the catch all verse in there, I think it's like right around 12 or 13, um, uh, is, is that if, if Christ is not raised, uh, then there is no faith. And if Christ is not raised, then we are to be pitied above all men. Right. So there's this idea that if Jesus isn't raised from the dead, then nothing else that Jesus did matters because right. it proves that he's not the guy. Yeah. Like it's, it it could be anybody. Um, So yeah, that's, that's kind of, I think that's why Easter is, is is really important. We need to talk about it because we need to understand it. Um, And that's why we talked about in the apologetics class, because you need to be able to defend it. Like, how do we, like, how do we know Jesus was raised from the dead? Because like, that's, that's, it's an important doctrine, but most of us just, we kind of accept it. But if anyone were to question it, like how would, what would you tell them?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So so like that's that's kind of my question to our class, and we kind of talk about this is you know, what do we do with miracles? Like are miracles something that only something that you can only believe by faith? What do you think?
0: Are miracles something that you can only believe by no, because if there's documentation of okay. the miracle, right? So like uh with the world with the resurrection, yeah, right? There's a ton of
1: Yeah. There's and a lot look, of things
0: it, about the resurrection. Like if you go through that book, The Case for Christ, like mm-hmm. uh Least Trouble. Yeah, he's there's a ton of things that he points out that yeah. are just like, oh, yeah, that wouldn't make sense. Like, yeah, well, that's right. If you're having somebody tell about the resurrection, why would you use women to tell that story in that time period where no one listened to women? Like, right. You'd be like, well, I want to get somebody of influence to tell the story. You know? <laughs> it's like right. Just things like that. You're like, what? Yeah, it tends you to, to the thing. Also, I mean, like, go ask any of these 500 people. Yeah, that's right. You know, right. like, this, it's them just out. very... Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of evidence for
1: it. Yeah, there is a lot of evidence for it. And so that, that was what that's one of the things that like I think is important for Christians to be able to do is not just to say, Well, how do you know Jesus is how do you know Jesus is the one? Because like one thing that we talked about in the apologetics class is Christian particularism, which is just this idea that it Jesus is exclusively the way to get to heaven. Right. He's the only one who can reconcile us to God. And then people say, How do you know? Right. And you, you ask, How do you know? Well, and then you that's linked directly to, well, look at look at how the new testament presents jesus look at how the gospels present jesus there's these four really solid accounts historical accounts of his life yeah and then like yeah but okay great he did all that stuff but how do you know well he also kind of you know features in the story is that he raised himself from the dead yeah and you know that like if if you could verifiably prove that someone had the power to raise themselves from the dead like what does that do what does that do to their testimony what does that do to the things that they've said and done like It gives them so much credibility yeah so so that's why we need to be able to defend not just that jesus is the way right i can point to you all the ways that jesus made that claim right but but what's the what's the thing what is the what is the one undeniable thing that if we can prove it shows that jesus is not crazy uh and that he's not uh he's not a fraud yeah. but that he really is he really is who he says he is
0: yeah so th- th- and that's really for me like if there's ever a time like somebody has a question about something and i don't know the answer and like there's not really a concrete the bible says this Mm -hmm. right so and and we could debate this but like the 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 origin story right like how old is the earth and things like that and how come where when was this and how many days and this and be like dude i don't know i do know that yep. Jesus was alive, well, he right. died, and now he's alive again. Yeah, and right.
1: even and there's even there's even a point because you you talk about being able to quote scripture, and like I think that's important. But scripture, while authoritative, simply because it's God's word, like it has it can have um, very little effect on a skeptic, right? Someone who just because by virtue of knowing that you're talking about the Bible, is going to be disinclined to believe to believe it simply because they know it's the Bible. Right. Because right. They, they're biased against it. Yeah. So what are the ways? And this is so like you're proving
0: your point with your point. What, what's that? Is that circular reasoning? What is that? When you when you
1: uh, circular definition? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like that. a circular definition would be like you're saying something that really like when you when you walk the logic out, it just ends up back back right. where you started.
0: How do you know the Bible's true? Well, the Bible says it's true. Right. Like that kind of I stuff. mean, right. and
1: that technically is circular reasoning. Yeah. Now, if the Bible is just another book, then it's circular reasoning. But if it's written by God, <laughs> then it's not circular reasoning because if God says it, then it is authoritative.
0: Yeah. Pastor Kirk did a good um, podcast, P3D podcast. Go back and listen to that one. Check it's that uh, after out. this one. It's on the yeah. Bible. So it's pretty good.
1: So, so what we did in the class, what we did most recently talking about the resurrection is we talked about something and, and i think this is not a new thing it's it's been around for a while i know um william lane craig lee strobel um haber mass. i can't remember his first name it's like richard or something like that um i thought his first name was
0: haber and his last name was mass haber mass i don't know him
1: <laughs> i don't know that guy no um uh yeah there's several scholars who kind of have have used this before but it's called the minimal facts approach have you heard of that before
0: nope Lay it on me.
1: All right. So the minimal facts approach, um, this is the kind of way I describe it to the class. And this is, you can use this for a lot of things in scripture, but specifically th- this works really well for the resurrection because the resurrection is so important. We need to be able to defend it. You can imagine uh, that there's this, the the picture of like if if the truth, like if the truth of the gospel, the truth of the, of, of Jesus' life was a puzzle and there was a piece missing, Right. And I'm saying that the most important piece here that's missing is the resurrection, right? So I'm trying to make, I'm trying to use this puzzle, I'm putting this puzzle together for a skeptic. And there's this part here that's kind of the key piece, It goes right in the middle so you can see all of the truth. There's this puzzle piece missing, and I'm saying it's the resurrection. And they're like, well, no it's not, like Jesus wasn't raised from the dead. So I can't, like because I wasn't there, because I can't take them there, Right, and because the evidence that I point to is at a distance from us, like time-wise, geographically speaking, um, I can't I can't make someone accept that the missing piece in the story of understanding who Jesus is is the resurrection. But what I can do is I can fill in all the space outside of that missing piece, and then we can I can make a truth claim as to the thing that best fits in that spot. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So yes. it's like it's like if I were to draw the outline of a human. on a whiteboard and say like what fits in that what fits in that space right i didn't draw a human just the outline of a human yeah and someone else could say well you know i think like a dog could fit in there well maybe it could could potentially fit in there or you know like you know something else like a scarecrow could fit in there a scarecrow you know but like what i'm saying is like no it like it what really what fits best in that spot is is human and so that's what that's that's the case that the that the the minimal facts approach takes for it's for for a skeptic to say like basically here's all the things that scholars on both sides of this argument um, archaeologists like people people who know this their stuff here's all the things that we can agree on historically biblically textual criticism wise here's all the things that we know are true right all the things that we know are true and then with with those details, we're gonna paint, we're gonna draw an outline, and I'm gonna make the truth claim to say resurrection is what answers the question: How do we have all this? Like, what is the answer to to, to these questions? Essentially, so so there's there's really four of them. Um, the first one is that Jesus died uh, by crucifixion, universally accepted. Universally, all right. Yep. Because because no one's gonna argue with. Well, I guess the first one would be that Jesus is a real person, but yep, that one's yeah, yeah. that one's so
0: which a lot of people i mean most it's universally existed. yes He's like
1: no one no one who's seriously looked at this at all is gonna say like well i don't even know if jesus was real right okay clearly jesus was real like the the impact <laughs> like it's a real person yeah i mean bc right AD. you know it's a big one right so jesus is a real person so we kind of that's a foundation right which means he was obviously born and we can talk about you know the claims virgin birth whatever so if he's a real person that means he came into existence at some point. So yep. we have Jesus who exists. We have this other undeniable fact that he that the this influential person Jesus, right? And this is from a skeptic's perspective, not a biblical perspective. This influential person Jesus was killed by crucifixion, okay? And that's an important detail because it establishes what what we need is in order to establish the resurrection, we need to get from alive and then two and we're all on the same page right. with that right Everybody. he's alive yep. and then and then at some point he has to be dead right and, and then for then resur- things change and, right well and then for it's for at some point he has to, for resurrection to be true he has to, we have to have evidence of him being alive again right? right so we have to basically we just need to historically speaking do the best job we can to establish jesus lived jesus died like as all humans have ever died as dead as anyone has ever died <laughs> and then he's back alive again right so that's what we're, we're trying to establish um and so the death on the death on the cross is really important because it gets us that first that first win which is like okay we know jesus existed and we know that he was killed in the way that the gospels present him being killed right and there's lots of extra biblical evidence of this there's like um roman historians who talk about it you know and, and they're not obviously eyewitnesses um but they are, uh, but they're they're credible enough, right? So they're repeating what is known early on in early on in the history of the church, right? And so like there there's some competing schools of thought out there that would push back against this first point that that Jesus died was was killed by crucifixion. Um, the first one would be there's this old old dead German dude Schleiermacher, who um who floated this idea is called the swoon theory. Have you ever heard of this? Nope. what do you think of when I say swoon? Uh
0: swoon like I I don't know why I'm going romantic. Yeah,
1: I think oh, yeah. that I thought that too the first okay. time I heard this. But like swooning is actually it's actually a, a like there's it's a larger definition, but or it's Or a big weird bird. Yeah, it's a swoon. A
0: swoon, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's
1: way bigger than a swan. <laughs> uh No, it's this idea that um that like you just faint. So that Jesus didn't actually die. <clears throat> but he just appeared to have died and the romans got confused and then
0: oh they were confused after they stabbed him in the side right
1: yeah they were confused after the guys who professionally kill people on crosses yes didn't do their job good this one time Right. like i don't think there's a historical i don't there's probably not a book for this but i've never come across like lots of evidence of people surviving crucifixion (laughs) so so like it's a weird theory, and you know, like he has his reasons for floating it out there. But like, there's obviously, there's obviously, let's say, let's say it's even possible that everyone botched their job that day, that they were in a rush, they pulled like him down the Roman off the cross.
0: Soldiers, the most elite army,
1: right? right. And they, let's say they, let's say they, they bury this dude, and then somehow, because they didn't do their job good, he's nursed back to health. All right, so even if with it, guards at the door, with yeah, right, and and there's so many questions here. But like, if Jesus had just survived, and then he came back. How does the resurrection story get floated if it's clear that he didn't raise himself from the dead, but he just survived? Right, because he's what's he going to look like? Right, like he's going to look like a dude. He'll be a little tattered this, and torn. Yeah, he got the that snot is. beat out of him, and then got some holes poked in him. Right, somebody put the jits on him. Right, somebody did, and it, so it, like because the early church, because the disciples are not necessarily anticipating or understanding what resurrection would be. The fact that they would jump there doesn't doesn't make much sense. And then, how do we explain again the ascension story? Where does Jesus go after this? Does he just like right. sail out of here? You know. So, um, yeah, there's there's a, a, some theories that like Jesus faked his death. You know, like there was this one guy, um, uh, Hugh, I like Schoenfield or something. I read his I read his some stuff like months back, and he has this theory that I mean, he was serious that like Jesus took some sort of like Romeo Juliet potion that made him appear dead when he wasn't which is a weird one yeah, man well, right to you know because i think like you have to be able to prove that first like what did he use yeah how would he have administered it to himself a normal thing that people did during that time right is that, that a uh, thing that had ever yeah. happened before how would he do it and would he have access to those types of medicines or plants or herbs or whatever would right. do that know it's so wild it's just it doesn't it doesn't pass the logic test so and then the last one is kind of like islam they have the idea that uh simon of cyrene actually swapped places with jesus so jesus wasn't actually killed which leaves room for the fact that he was flogged so that would have been obvious right so he would have been
0: you know who's in front of you right there yeah and he was beaten if that person was beaten you couldn't recognize yeah. them. Maybe that's where they're going. But then,
1: but then the the fact that Simon of Cyrene shows up, a guy that who was supposed to have been flogged, like again, it's it's putting a lot of dice in in the like the most professional army up to this point in the world the world has ever seen. Yeah. somehow botched all of this. All of the Jews that were watching it, who'd watched Jesus for a number of years, who knew what he looked and their, like, like sole purpose
0: right then was to make sure right. he was going down.
1: Like how do you how do you pull that off? you know and then who's motivated to pull that off and who would even like again what do you do with like do you have to hide jesus and then he has to he has to be to come back but it has to be convincing and then whose body did they put in the in the tomb where does that body go go? right so there's there's all these what you end up doing in in floating this trying to argue against this idea this is why it's minimal facts right so so the minimal fact that Jesus died by crucifixion. In order to get around that, you have to do some real historical, mental, logical gymnastics that end up being more, honestly, more ridiculous than just believing in the resurrection. So, like, so, so, anyways, the the first point being, uh, the first minimal fact, um, that Jesus was killed by crucifixion. Um, uh, the second one is that he was buried in a known tomb. All right, so we have. Death by crucifixion. Second one is he's buried in a known tomb. So do you do you know do you remember whose tomb he was buried in?
0: Uh, was uh, uh what's his name? Um,
1: you got it. It's right there. I can I see it on your right face. On my... I can see it on your face. Oh my gosh! So it's Joseph, Joseph. Of, of Arimathea, yes. right? So a wealthy guy had a tomb. It was a brand new tomb, never been used. Right? There weren't other bodies in there. Those these are all important facts, right? Because we're not going to confuse Jesus with some other dead body, right? The person that they name is was uh, someone who's high up, potentially like in the Sanhedrin or at least Jewish leadership. So his name appearing alongside Jesus's as a as a in, in a positive sense doesn't look good. So there's nothing to gain, only things to lose. There, you can go and ask this person, like, because as Mark is writing this, and as Paul is writing it, and as a, the story is circulating in the in the in the months and years. Following Jesus' ascension. Like, these are facts you could double check on. And there's so many people who are motivated to make sure the story doesn't come out to, to try and discredit it that, that these are questions that you would naturally ask, right? Okay, well, did Jesus really rise from the dead? Because, like, and they're like, well, you can go ask Joseph of Arimathea, like, well, he was the one yeah. who. And they could be like well, okay and then you could go do that and joseph or one of his kids would be like nope that's exactly what we did we gave them we gave him the tomb and that's where the tomb is and there's nobody there
0: right that's i heard uh tim keller talking about it one time so like how how many people like jesus appeared to right was like what was the number it was
1: oh it's i mean it's, it's, like it's 100 it's, right? it's well there's there's Around at least there will paul this in first corinthians 15 he lists, he lists several examples, and one of them is that he appeared to 500 people at once. Yeah. But then he appeared to the disciples multiple times, all of them, and then partially, and then he appeared to Mary and Peter and John.
0: Yeah, so like the example Tim Keller was saying, it's like, he, you know, and you can think about it for you, right? So how long ago was it since you've been in college? Well, for me, let's just say 20 years, right? Yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, I may not remember every detail about what happened in my college 20 years ago, but if someone came up to me and said something major like this happened when you were there I'd be like I don't remember that or yes I definitely
1: remember that Right.
0: that's how like those witnesses yeah. even if it's not like they didn't write it down that yeah. day I mean, yeah. Nick, they go, you can go ask those people
1: Yeah, like, you, and and read the gospels. It's not, it's not exhaustive detail, right? right. They're not telling you what meal they had on what day, exactly. right? They're not even making specific like daily, like at this, at this day of this month. Sometimes, sometimes they do when it's very memorable. Like when there's a holiday around it, right? There's a Passover or a feast of booths or something, but it's very general information that reflects that truth that like they're telling you the things that were hard to, the hard to forget. Yeah. Right. They're not gonna forget they're not gonna miss that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. So like so this idea that, that Jesus is buried in a gnome tomb is one of those details that stands out, right? And it makes the 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 possibility of the story being a lie being propagated in the early years of the church very, very, very unlikely. Because there's so many people, Roman and Romans and Jews alike, who want to discredit the story, but then it the there's the facts surrounding it. Like if they wanted to use use like alternative facts to quote a former president, uh, they could have right, <laughs> and the, and they didn't. They didn't. So so there's this idea. Like did the disciples lie about the empty tomb? Like it's 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 really unlikely, almost impossible for them to have lied about it, um, because there's there's so many because of the detail. Like that they get they they, they name the place and the person right and the fact that you're again you're relying on you're relying on people who are doing it, have a simple task to perform that they're good at to do it poorly right so um so that's the second minimal fact third minimal fact is the empty tomb right so that's a big one right so we we know we know Jesus was killed on a cross we know where he was buried who buried him right the third one um is that there was an empty tomb all right and I'm not telling you how the tomb ended up being empty, like this is for the skeptic. I'm not making a claim of how, I'm not making a claim of why. But historically speaking, I'm telling you that there was an empty tomb. Okay. So we at least have to explain what happened to that empty tomb. So this is us making the outline of the resurrection and, and then trying to draw a logical conclusion of what fits in the middle. Right. So, so we
0: know it, where I mean that, that what tomb it was, it right? Was like, we know so
1: that we can go was. back to it, yes, and verify, hey, there's nothing there, right? Right, we can see the grave clothes, we can see the stone rolled away, right? We can ask the guards who were standing there, hey, is this the tomb you were standing by? They're like, yeah, right? Yeah, so 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 then you have to um, you look at other facts like the 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 the, the name and location, the place of the tomb. Um, And then the fact that the tomb is empty is recorded in all four Gospels, right? There's no disagreement in the four primary witnesses and then in the early church, the history that's reported to us through the book of Acts and through Paul and Peter's letters, like the things that they say, like they they were very early on convinced that the tomb was empty, right? Um, And then you have like 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians is a really cool letter because it was actually probably being written down before Mark was finished with his Gospel. So the earliest... Testimony that we have that the early church believed that the tomb was empty, right? They're not making it up, but like as as a whole, a part of the early church doctrine was that the tomb was empty. First Corinthians fifteen is being written down before the Gospel of Mark is even being finished, and put there there's Paul talking about Jesus, like he's quoting it just like it's a like it's a creed. He says, you know, that according to the scriptures, Jesus Jesus died. Was uh, was buried according to the scriptures, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. Like, so there it is. Like, he's the tomb was empty. Um. So yeah, and then we we talked about this. The stories being very basic in the Gospels. Like that, they're not like they're not. They're just reporting the facts to you. It's not mythological. It's not uh, fictional. It's not like legendary. It's just they're just reporting the facts to you. And then you already mentioned the other one that the women who were the primary witnesses to to the to right. the right the first people that they list as being the people who noticed it is it's women right. yeah right which would have been you know credibility suicide in the first century
0: yeah and there i mean there's so many of the other ones that they list too, like i mean after that you know, like the early christians you know yep. like guys we're all together in this let's make up let's just all stick together let's come up with our own story and they're yep. like no we're gonna feed you to the lions you're gonna <laughs> change your story then nope yep. I mean, nope. would you change your story? If you were lying, right. would you change so your story? And
1: so that's actually that's actually one of the ones. So it's that's not like a, a, a minimal fact, but like a part of the minimal fact approach, but in terms of other evidence that contributes to the resurrection, you have to factor that in, right? Because what possibly could have happened to motivate people to, like if it's a lie, to, and, and, and someone dying for something doesn't mean it's not a lie. It just shows you that they very sincerely believed it, Right. Because people die people die for lies. Like that's not so that's you can't you can't prove that Christianity yeah. is true, but you can prove that someone believed it, which kicks the can back to what happened to make these people believe it? The same thing with like, look how the disciples are behaving at the end of the gospels yeah. versus how they're behaving at the beginning of the book of Acts. You like what could have happened between those two to make them believe to make them act the way they acted, right? I mean, it's a—it's almost a hundred eighty degree transformation, from like, f- like fearful and scared and separated, to bold and collected, organized and just—I mean, going for it. Right?
0: Yeah, I don't care what you do to me, I'm not going to. Right, I'm something
1: happened, and I'm telling you, the thing that fits in there is the claim that they're making. Like, what made them do that? It was the resurrection, right? So then like the last things on the empty tomb is um, like you have this evidence here that's attested inside and outside of the the New Testament canon that the earliest polemic or the earliest counter argument to the missing body of Jesus is that the disciples stole it, (laughs) which tells you one thing, right? If the enemies are trying to make up a reason as to why they can't find the body, what does that tell you about the tomb? It's empty. It's empty, right? Yeah. So it's like it's this self. So like we, you can trace it through what the what the people who are pushing, who are, who hate Jesus and want the, want the story to stop. Like you can just look at their reaction to what has happened, and you can get all the way to the empty tomb, right? Which is really cool. And they don't like they can't. They didn't take it. They can't produce a body. They can't even go and say, "Oh, we buried him in a common grave. Here he is," right? And I know it doesn't like he was it was decomposed a little bit, but this is his body right here. Remember we buried the three guys and here's all three of them. They, if they knew where, like they could have done it if they had found, fa- they could find his body, right? So any, any, uh,
0: yeah, that is true. Right. They stop that movement
1: right? real quick. That's all they'd have to do is just produce a body. So, but, but the fact that they can't do that, um, that you know it it, it just makes this case i'm not gonna lie, even i don't stronger. think
0: i've ever thought of it that way before yeah right yeah that that one's uh i was today years old when i thought about That's it. it's a I
1: good think. one i know i yeah. think I, I was reading um there's a really good apologetics book i was reading this past week with that one and i was like this is yeah. so good so uh yeah i can we can post a book in the show notes or something like that but um and then early on like the earliest preaching of the disciples just really heavily relies on the empty tomb like that analogy is used over and over again so and then the, the final one, the, the fourth like minimal fact that we have is um, the post-mortem appearances of Jesus, right? So we have the, the, or at least the claim, right? And that's that's the story that early on is circulating amongst the early church, right? And this is b- prior to any gospels being written down. Like by the time Paul is writing 1 Corinthians 15, which is maybe 15 years after the after the resurrection. Right.
0: That's why I was it's talking about ar- the... Co- like, you, would, you know what's wrong.
1: Yeah, but even 15 years after it, he's not writing it down for the first time. He's quoting it to you in First Corinthians 15. It's already dogma. It's already creed that people... Yeah. Like, when he says, I, and I say it to you, as you have already heard. Right. So this is not new information to them. When they first heard the gospel, this church that's existed for at least 10 years already knows these things. So it's telling you from the very earliest point. And so, like, Bart Ehrman and other scholars who like to say that you know, various Jewish scholars like to say that, oh, Jesus didn't even like like the early church didn't even believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, or they didn't even believe he was the Messiah early on. That was something that was invented later. Like Bart Ehrman has a whole book, you know, how how Jesus became God, right? Yes. Um, and and like just this one argument undermines that, that the fact that the early church believed it from a very early point. It's not an invention. It's something that was universally accepted by all the people who follow Jesus. So we were talking earlier about some of the some of the appearances, and I had like, I think I wrote down eleven really good ones. Um, and then there was kind of I wanted to check on this one from Acts 9. Um, but like we have uh he appears to Mary and Mary and the other women, right? That's Matthew and John. And he appears to Peter, who runs to the, the tomb after him, and then John's probably with him. Um we have the two disciples on the road to John. Emmaus. Mm-hmm. What? John Windsor, yeah, I think John's like, I was a little bit fast. That's what John Peter. Piper, his yeah. cousin, is uh, uh, Peter. others yeah,
0: used to make fun of him and be like, "Well, John won the yeah. race." So. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: right. So you have the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, which is in the end of Luke, um, and then you have uh, he appears to the ten apostles in Luke, then he appears to the eleven apostles in John, and and some of these might be some overlap between the gospels, um, and then he appears to the seven apostles in John, but like those are all three separate instances. Uh, he appears to all the apostles at the very end of Matthew, At, at uh, in Matthew 28. Um, he appears to the 500 disciples at once, which Paul references in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, then he appears to James separately, which is actually what causes James to be converted, because remember, James is not a follower until after the after the resurrection, which is cool because he's the one who writes the book of James. Um, and then he appears again to the apostles right before his ascension. And we get that in Acts one, Matthew 28, kind of, kind of a, like similar instances there. Um, there's the one in John where they're fishing and Jesus eats with them on the shore. I think that's one of the, like the seven apostles. And then he appears to the apostle Paul. Right. And now that was the, the fishy one. I was like, I'm not sure. I couldn't remember if that was post ascension or not. But he, so it may have not been like a, a physical bodily appearance, which is also an important thing to note that all of these things are bodily appearances of Jesus, right? Like he eats, drinks with them, like they're able to touch him, like they're convinced, you know, Mary grabs onto his feet thinking he's the gardener, you know, like, like it's it's a physical bodily thing uh, that that is not, so it's not like a vision, it's not a hallucination, it's not like a disembodied spirit. Which,
0: which is one an argument, right? People think that uh, there's one that argument that they believed it so much and wanted it to be true so much yeah. that they uh, manifested it somehow yep. in their minds that he was there. Yeah, and but then, all to all of them at the same time, they all had the same vision.
1: Yeah, like right, and that's that's one way. Like how do how do we how do we have such uniform belief and uniform because if there were differences in the visions, like those things would bear themselves out in the theology of the early church, right? It would have been easy to discern for the early church that it was a hallucination or it was a vision. And then that means that Jesus is not bodily raised from the dead, so where's the body? You know, So we we always end up, you just kick it back, back and back until you get to, because ultimately the best defense of the resurrection is a really full, like a full body defense of the reliability of the New Testament. But this is something way that you can separately kind of use just for the resurrection so um yeah and then like another thing is like first century jewish culture there's really no detectable uh, understanding that that is in any of the writings that they would have had a concept of just one person being raised from the dead like this like resurrecting themselves um they had a general idea of the resurrection right because you know when jesus is talking about is visiting Martha and Mary after Lazarus has died, and he's going to raise them from the dead. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, um, but Martha is not like not quite sure. Um, she's she, he's like he's like Lazarus will rise again, and she's like, well, I know, Lord, like we'll all rise and at the resurrection at the end of days. And he's like, oh, you don't know what I'm getting at, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so like, there's that general understanding of resurrection, but that would have been like everybody. So this idea of a one-off resurrection, and then also there's no detectable understanding of like disembodied spirits um, or ghosts that have like a like a physical presence. Like there's there's a couple of examples in the Old Testament of seeing visions, like um, like Saul sees a vision of Samuel, but it's like a it's it's a vision. It's not like it's not like right. he's seeing a ghost. Like yeah. there like that's not a thing that so they don't have a, they don't have a paradigm for that. So it's not something that they would just be really quick to invent or to lean on right so so there's lots of reasons that that it's just very unlikely that they that there's some sort of like mass hallucination so um, yeah I think again the the women's the women's accounts are heavily relied on for some of the appearances um, yeah and I, and I think just like I think first uh, Corinthians 15 is really important because no one no one doubts that Paul wrote first Corinthians 15 no one really doubts the date like it's a really well-attested document that shows us very early on that there's a, a really strong belief that jesus really did was bodily raised from the dead um yeah and, we, and we've talked about some like the other like the circumstantial stuff like i mean think about the early church like um they the, the the again the transformation from the end of the gospels to the beginning of acts something has to motivate that change and it's definitely not going to be oh jesus made it he didn't actually die like that doesn't change anything right then they're just back to where they were before acts except that jesus turns out to be really tough yeah does that make
0: sense yeah um and when you're while you're saying that you know talking about that change um really i mean that's the change that happens in us right yes we believe the gospel it's not like hey if you believe in jesus then you will be saved it's like Mm -hmm. oh this resurrection happened this changes everything. Yeah, and I'm different. I'm like, it's it's different. Like, yeah, that song uh, or the record, whatever Matt is saying. If this is true, this changes everything. Yes, that's what right. What an amazing, uh, yeah, album song. The whole thing is, yeah. is super. And, and, cool. and that's a good phrase to say like, the Holy Spirit. True, and the
1: Holy Spirit factors into that too, right? Because once they receive the Holy Spirit, things change. But again, it just bears witness to the, like historically speaking, narrative speaking something significant has occurred. And really the only thing that makes sense that would have motivated that is an act of God, right? That he has done something special and it's that Jesus has been raised from the dead and they've received the Holy spirit because there's it like for it to be any, you can't, I don't, what else could it have been? And then they're telling you here what it was. And so we're just going to go to them as witnesses and say, all right. Cause I mean, that's why I believe because someone told me, Right? And then God fills in those gaps. Like I read the scriptures, I like, I I line it up with my own experiences and like it just makes sense. Like it just makes sense. So, So, and then you have like the early worship of Jesus. Like Jesus was very clearly, very early on, thought of as being divine. Like what could, like how do you get to Jesus being a really good teacher, potentially being a prophet, you know, maybe this like sort of pseudo messianic understanding of who Jesus is. Like, how do you go from there, the dude dies, and now he he's very early, very early on in the church, understood to be divine. Like, what, what did Jesus do to cause that thought process yeah, to happen? Because there's a
0: lot of people who claim to be prophets and teachers, right. and they die, but they're not right you know
1: you know like he would not be he would not he's in good company there lots of people have died right the guy who comes back to life
0: that's the one
1: (laughs) right that's what and like so again it's just it's not a very far logical leap to go like something significant happened they're saying it's resurrection i can't think of what else would make people think but he was a really good teacher he was really powerful he could do all these miracles like to go like from that to this dude is the messiah he is the incarnate god like (laughs) raising yourself from the dead makes sense there right something significant happened so um yeah and then and then like jews were really staunch monotheists so they're not gonna they're not gonna adopt like any they're not gonna adopt like any some sort of uh you know pantheon of gods where there's like there's like yahweh and then jesus like that's not happening like it's very clearly the jewish Jewish community understood this dude is the Messiah and so they they took what they believed and they they attached it to Jesus and it just keeps going right that's why you have all this like Gentile Jew stuff that that Paul and the apostles have to sort through in the beginning because Jews are, are jumping on board just like the Gentiles are the God is bringing is streaming the nations back to himself just like you promised in Isaiah 2 so it's really cool and um, Yeah. And then like, we talked about hallucinations. We talked about, you know, like, like what if it's just a giant conspiracy? Um, you know, I guess like if you think of a conspiracy, like what are the questions? Like if it's, if it's a conspiracy, like what are the questions you ask of yourself to kind of diagnose that?
0: Why am what, like, why am I, why do I believe this conspiracy? Yeah. Why am I in on this? Yeah.
1: I think like, what's the, yeah. So you have to think of like, what's a motive. Yeah. Um, and what's, what do they gain? And did they have the means to pull it off? Right, and really, none of those, none of those questions are answered in the affirmative. Right, so like they don't have a motive to lie about it because how would they even know that this resurrection bit would work? Right, because yeah. they know that if they lied, that that it's always going to be just one one moment away from being exposed. Right, and so it doesn't create the kind of change that we've been talking about the means to pull it off these dudes are not powerful
0: yeah and that's a big thing to try and pull off yeah if you couldn't do it
1: talk about the talk about the bamboozle of the millennia you know and
0: like let's go back to the apostles and think about their previous behavior yeah they couldn't pull that off (laughs) right
1: you know like nothing short of like this being actually true really really adds up and then like what do they have to gain literally nothing they have nothing to gain they have only things to lose by doing this just like everyone who in the first century Jewish world, they had nothing but like it was they were only going to lose.
0: Yeah, you're going to die.
1: Right. So, w- what do you have to gain? Like, there's no motivation to do it. Right. It, it's different than like you know people today will call themselves Christian just to you know score the social points. That didn't exist back then. There really wasn't a, a format for it. You, it's better to be known as a Christian until like I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years later when Constantine makes. Christianity, the official religion of the Roman Empire, like then then it starts to kind of get 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 you somewhere. So early on, like that was just not the case. So yeah, and then I, I remember I had one of this in my notes. I was just like I just wrote down corpse heist question mark the corpse heist <laughs> the old, just the good old fashioned corpse heist. Uh, but we've kind of talked about all that. So yeah, yeah so well, those, those are a,
0: pretty good. Uh, I mean, that's those are pretty good arguments for the resurrection,
1: right? I mean, you know? and again, it's not like we believe it by faith. But we also can believe it by reason. Like, I love the fact that we don't have to, like, um, William Lane Craig always says, I don't have to put my brain in one pocket and my faith in another.
0: Yeah, right. Well, like, when Jesus is telling the people he doesn't go up on the mount Mm -hmm. and say, all right, just believe. Yeah. Just have faith. He says, like, all right, consider the the lilies and the ravens. You know, like, he talks, like, hey, think about this. Like, look. Let's be, like, use your brain. (laughs) Yeah. You know, think about it logically.
1: God God says in Isaiah, come let us reason together. Right. Like, he's a God of logic and order. I mean, you look at creation, like, he likes order. Yeah. He likes things to work and make sense. Yeah. Uh, and so, I don't think God's asking us. So, I, I, that's why I love apologetics so much, because I think it's really important. Because it's fun, it's fun to ask the questions, because ultimately, I believe God can withstand the scrutiny. Because he has for several thousand years at this point. I don't think I'm going to be the one to bring him down by so, my... So,
0: uh, the word apologetics, for those who may not know, what's, just, the, what's the original word?
1: It just means... You just you just are really sorry about the things that you believe.
0: No. <laughs> no. It means reasoned response. That's I have right. a reasoned response ready. That, right. Yeah. Is it apologia?
1: Is yeah, it, it like is that? apologia or apologia. Yeah. That's right. Okay, good. So yeah, it's having it's having a response to be able a to understand response. what you believe and why. So Well and,
0: what was that uh before we head out, man? What, what was that book that you uh you mentioned earlier? Uh,
1: it's called Christian Apologetics. Uh, it's written by Doug uh, Groothaus, I think. Um, it's like G R O O T. the one with the amazing cover? Yeah, cover? it was a really, oh, really good yes. cover. It's a G-R-O-O-T-H-I-U-S or U I S. Okay, it's a strange last name, so yeah. it's a really good one. Okay, cool. Um, he's a good writer. It's it's more, it's like kind of like a desk reference. It's real thick it's thick but if you're interested theology, in theology it, yeah uh, size it's there. it's thick yeah so if you if you were interested in just like having a resource that like hey i wonder like how how would i explain x you know to to someone it's what about wh- y yeah it, it, my y might be in there too okay or maybe even z i don't know z's you'll have to buy it so you know
0: there you go well, hey yes. man uh this has been an excellent episode. Uh, Good conversation with you today. Uh, If you guys have any questions about it, you can always reach out to us at Clayton at the Passage Church dot com, Michael at the Passage Church dot com, and uh, let us know what your thoughts are on the show, or if you have any uh, questions or topics you want us to discuss, we would be glad to do that.
1: Definitely. We always love uh, interacting with stuff that people want us to talk about so yeah. or having you on the show
0: or having you on the show hey come on in here you got
1: some cool to talk about we can squeeze you on yeah exactly so
0: all right guys thanks so much for listening and uh michael you got anything else
1: nope see y'all at easter
0: cool yep we will see you at easter. he's
1: risen indeed